Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Let's Talk Autism with Dr. C. I'm Chalreen Mapson, a.k.a. Dr. C. In this episode, we're going to take a look at what the Bible may or may not say about autism. As an ASD, Autism Spectrum Disorder parent, and a minister of the gospel, I've often wondered if there is a biblical response to ASD. Well, in the Gospel of John, chapter 9, verses 2 through 3, we find these words. Christ's disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. Well, in the spring of 2008, this was the passage that I turned to in the Bible when I was told by my son's preschool teacher that, quote unquote, Jaden exemplifies the symptoms of a child with autism. When I heard those words, I wondered who or what was to blame. I wondered what I had done wrong. I ate all the right foods. I got plenty of exercise. I drank lots of water. I ate healthy snacks. Much like the disciples in the Gospel of John, I wondered who or what was to blame. When the disciples asked Jesus who sinned to cause this man to be blind, we need to keep in mind the response that Jesus gave to the disciples. His response to them was neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was blind, born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. Well, as a new ASD parent, autism spectrum disorder parent, I had to come to the realization that just like Jesus noted in the text, no one was to blame for my son's condition, but ultimately God would get the glory. And as a pastor and a preacher, I wanted to dig further into the Bible to get insight on what the Bible had to say about those with special needs and specifically those with autism. Well, in Brian Brock's book, Wondrously Wounded, Brian Brock references the first letter to the church at Corinth written by Paul. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And this is what Paul says, excuse me, what Brock says. Brock says, the subject of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is the renewal, healing, and opening of genuine communion with God and others called church. The Apostle Paul understands every um, member of the church as an active giver or conduit of divine love. And Brock goes on to say, a giving that is not reducible to any person's supposed physiological or intellectual deficiencies. He therefore offers a worked account of what it looks like to live together beyond disability. I think Brock had a great point there. 
Well, Grant McCaskill also wrote about Paul. Grant McCaskill in Autism in the Church writes of Paul and the weaker things within Christ's body. He references 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 22. He states, the things that are naturally or intuitively considered lesser are, in fact, equally important to those that are strong and powerful. They are objects of divine election and love. They are royal gifts to the church. They are functioning members of the body of Christ, without which we would be diminished. Well, God has given each of us gifts and has placed in us, uh, placed us rather in the body to utilize the gifts that he gave us. And Paul's words recorded in 1 Corinthians help ignite the need for autism inclusion in the church. And I view Paul's writing as a reminder that not only has God given each of us the gifts God wants us to have, But God has also given each of us our personalities, our abilities, and even our different abilities. Paul's words in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 27, remind us that the group of people that we're talking about here, this autism group, has just as much to offer as anybody else. In one of my previous pastoral charges, I had an ASD boy in my congregation. He was a very friendly and outgoing young man, and I had been told by his mother that he was out in the community often talking about his church and inviting people to come to our worship services. Well, I needed a new greeter for the church on Sunday mornings, and I immediately posted him on the door as our official greeter. I thought that he would be an excellent choice to stand at the door and welcome our parishioners and our visitors on a weekly basis. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 14 through 20, Paul reminds his readers that God's body is comprised of many members, in other words, people of many talents, and each of us has an important role to play in God's kingdom. When discussing the subject of inclusion, Paul's writing in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 27, it is worth noting that the first two verses of that passage talk about the body as one with many members and all the members of the body, though they are many, they are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews and Greeks, slaves or free, and we are all made to drink of one spirit. Well, Paul is saying here that it doesn't matter who a person is or what their abilities are, we are all members of the body of Christ. Therefore, we should all have a place in the body, whether we are persons with autism or persons without autism. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16, from him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Paul once again emphasizes the importance or the essential 
that there is a whole body and that each part is essential to the whole body. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 23, Paul says, and the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable as are treated with special modesty. This portion of the subject text is a reminder of how some, not only in the autism world, but in the special needs environment at large, are treated. Our very own former former uh, president of the United States once ridiculed a reporter who had special needs. Well, Paul, in this portion of the passage, dictates how we ought to treat or view persons who have different abilities. And ultimately, we should treat them with special honor. I contend that those with special needs and more specifically those with autism are to be treated with special honor and not ridiculed. In the church, we each have our own gifts and the end goal is for the body of Christ to benefit from those gifts. If the usher says, since I'm not the pastor, I don't belong in the body of Christ, then who's going to communicate the needs of the congregation to the pastor during the worship service in the morning? Likewise, if we can't, we cannot discount those whose needs are different from our own. They too have gifts. They may use those gifts in the body of Christ. On two occasions, my son has left my parishioners awestruck. My son, who knows the Lord's Prayer, uh, was praying one Sunday morning. At this particular church, we have fourth Sunday, the young people are in charge of the, the devotional portion of the worship service. And well, I offered Jaden to do the prayer one year on a fourth Sunday and he delivered the Lord's Prayer and during the prayer I heard echoes in the congregation of the word wow just over and over I heard wow 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 well on a separate occasion after a week-long vacation Bible school lesson on the fruit of the Spirit Jaden learned how to demonstrate the sign language for the fruit of the Spirit during our session shortly after that vacation Bible school week, we had a program in the afternoon emphasizing the fruit of the Spirit. Well, I suggested to the lady who was reading the scripture that Jaden could stand alongside her and sign the fruit of the Spirit during her reading of the scripture. The two of them met briefly before the service started to review the reading and his signing. And when she stood to read the scripture, she said, I'm going to have an assistant today. Jaden is going to sign the fruit of the spirit as I read the text. And as he did it, the congregation was speechless. I contend that those with ASD and other special needs have a role to play and gifts to offer in the body of Christ, just as we do. In an article entitled Reflections on Autistic Love, John Swinton writes, the greatest commandment is to love God, to love one another and to love ourselves. Loving God compels us to love others and demands also that we love ourselves. 
He goes on to say that love is one of those words which is both powerful and contextually defined. Swinton also says, I love my wife and children, but I also love ice cream. I love my job and I love my friends. I love to ski and I love to watch cartoons. Indeed, if I have an itch, I really love to scratch it. But what does love really mean? Then he goes on to uh, inquire whether love is a verb, excuse me, a noun or an adjective. Well, I contend that love is a verb. And as we learned in elementary school, verbs are action words. Therefore, if the church is truly going to be someone that a church, a, a body that is to love one another, as admonished in the New Testament, then actions are required to love or to welcome even those with autism. I contend that an accurate scripture reading uh, regarding the children with autism or any type of special need issue could be found in the Gospel of Mark. In the Gospel of Mark chapter 9 verses 14 through 29, the story is recounted of a man who is concerned for his son who is described in the text as being one who is demon-possessed. Scripture says that he has a spirit that makes him unable to speak. Well, the description of the symptoms of the boy in verse 18 lead me to believe that, <clears throat> excuse me, that the boy is not demon possessed at all, but he's merely suffering from epilepsy. Scripture says that whenever it seizes him, it dashes him down and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. Well, that sounds like epilepsy to me. One, once my son reached puberty, he began to exhibit a pattern of aggressive behaviors. These behaviors were quite similar in their uh, condition, similar to that of the epileptic individual that I just described in the biblical passage. My son would have the meltdown. It would, uh, he would, it would last approximately 30 minutes or more. And during the meltdown, it seemed like I didn't even know who he was. You know, he didn't fall on the ground and gnash his teeth and foam with the mouth, but he was somebody I just didn't recognize. Then shortly after the meltdown occurred, he would turn back into this laughing and jovial child that he was prior to the incident. Well, I described my response to his actions at those times as a person who had to walk on eggshells in his presence. When ASD boys reach puberty, like other boys their age, their hormones are raging. Some of them, however, are unable to articulate their feelings and therefore they become physical and often violently physical. When my son reached that stage in his life, I thought about that demon-possessed boy in the passage. Some of his attacks have happened publicly and for fear of my African-American ASD son's life, I have had to shout while people were pulling him off of me and trying to subdue him. He has autism. One of my biggest fears is that one day somebody's gonna, he's gonna have a meltdown and I won't be around and somebody won't understand his condition and that they'll hurt my son. You see, I'm raising an African-American male in a country that doesn't mind ending his life if they don't understand his condition. 
On one occasion, my son was having a meltdown and he was attacking me in our driveway. My next door neighbor saw us and heard us and he entered my yard with his gun drawn, prepared to shoot my son. I had to call him by name. I'll call him, I'll, I'll say his name was John. That's not his real name. I said, John, stop. This is Jaden. He's just having an autism meltdown. Call 911, tell him to send the EMS so they can help him. But tell them if they send police, don't send anybody with with using using excessive force because he has autism. I believe that there's a parallel between my son's condition and that of the boy mentioned in the Mark passage. I believe that the public's misconception of both their conditions is quite apparent. Well, in leading a special needs ministry, Amy Fenton Lee states, when children are quote unquote misbehaving, researchers have found that they are nearly always trying to communicate a need for one of the following. One, a tangible item. Two, a physical or a sensory need. Three, to escape a demand four, an activity or a sensory stimulation, or five, they're just seeking to acquire attention from another peer or some adult. Well, my son Jaden is no exception. His physical aggression and his quote-unquote misbehavior often stems from his lack of communication, his inability to effectively communicate what he wants or needs. There's a book, The Verbal Behavior Approach by by Barbara. And I recently got that book and that has helped to turn my son's communication around. Well, in the Mark passage that I referenced, Mark chapter nine, verses 14 through 29, Jesus has gone up to the mountaintop for the transfiguration and he took with him, I call his three main boys. Peter, James, and John, and he left the other disciples behind. Well, when the the four of them get back from the mountaintop experience, there's a crowd that has gathered, excuse me, and that crowd is there with the nine disciples, and, and there's a man in the crowd, and the man informs Jesus that he brought his son to be healed by the disciples, but they were not able to perform the miracle. The text says uh, that the boy... Uh, is demon possessed, but I just said to you that his symptoms clearly, if he were alive today, he would be diagnosed as an epileptic. Well, the father says to Jesus, if you can do anything, and Jesus seems to become sarcastic as he repeats, if I can, or if you can, rather, then Jesus tells the father, anything is possible if you only believe. The father says, He does believe, but help my unbelief. Well, faith or lack thereof is the theme of this particular passage, it seems. And faith is the one thing that we as autism parents need a multitude of to deal with the difficult and trying times that we enter with our children. But one thing I've learned is that God does not give a child with ASD to a parent who cannot handle him or her. 
Trust me. As a parent of a child with ASD and much like this father in this passage, I have found, however, that my faith has been tested and sometimes it has even wavered. When my son began to show us aggressive behaviors, there were days when I didn't think God heard my prayers. Therefore, even as a preacher, I too have struggled with my faith. Not only that, though, I've struggled with how to expose my child to a place where he should be introduced to his faith, the church, and more specifically, the congregational members of that church. In the next episode, we'll talk about the church, we'll talk about the congregation and their response to autism. Let's talk autism again soon.